Hi, this is part two of the Greedo Shop First podcast. Uh, you can go enjoy part one on iTunes. I imagine you've probably listened to it if you're listening to part two. Uh, I'm Benjamin Light. With me is Marco Sparks. Hello. And um, so what we're going to be doing in part two here, we made fun of all the Star Wars fans' ideas for episode seven. So now I'm going to throw myself to the wolves here and pitch my own idea for episode seven. Um this is this is my idea. Marco may do his in the future at some point, or he may not. We'll I see. I was we so you came up with this while we were on vacation last mm-hmm. week, and it was it was interesting sitting in uh, very exquisite Seattle dive bars, watching Benji stare off into space with like a maniacal glint in his eye. Um, and so I kind of thought, since you were working so hard on it, that I should come up with one too. And so I had just very very vague ideas for one. And then finally, I think after what, like the third night in Seattle, you were like, listen, before this night is over, I'm going to give you my Star Wars pitch. Mm-hmm. Like you believe in it that strongly. Yeah. And it was, it's good enough that I, I don't really have any ideas at the moment. <laughs> well, I just like that I'm, I'm sitting in these, uh, these kind of like hipstery dive bars, you know, in a, in a nice, nice city like Seattle. And it's like, we're listening to Chill Wave. We're, we're drinking some happy hour drinks. And and yet, like, if you could peer into my mind at the time, I would just be, like, nerding out and the most, like, dorky Star Wars stuff ever as I'm, like, mm-hmm. contemplating, like, you know, like, how Luke should die or something like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So this is, uh, I have some caveats here. Um, And I, I wrote these on my post, which you can find at timetravelmurdermystery.com. Uh, you can you can find my uh, outline for what I did um, and the caveats as well. I, I think the danger in doing these is that 100% pretty much whatever they do for episode 7 is not going to be anywhere near this. And mm-hmm. so it's like you just you really need to like mentally prepare yourself. Like like don't be disappointed. Like if you're disappointed you failed, you know, because it's like yeah. they were never going to do this. Like to me I just see this mostly as a an exercise in creativity. It's kind of fun to see it's like, all right, well, how would you do it? You know, because it's this easy is, to make fun of other people. Which we've done. And, yeah. and we made fun of these people in part one of this particular broadcast, not just because they were bothering to do a Star Wars episode seven, like pitch or whatever, or come up with their own synopsis for a movie. We were making fun of them because their ideas were so fucking bad. <laughs> yeah. They were so dumb. That's what we were making fun of. And this is the time. To start talking about your what if Star Wars, you, you might as well before something gets concrete. Yeah, because once you have, you know, like like from now on, presumably any minute now, we're going to get a director and you're going to get details, and it's just going to all start shuffling well, through. I would say it almost becomes more dangerous to start doing this sort of thing once you do have some information. Yeah, because yeah. then you're, really you're then you're really expecting like. It's like, oh, I've I seen the behind-the-scenes photos. I'm pretty sure this is going to happen. And then it doesn't. And then you're like, ah, you know. Well, yeah, you're going to start entering the prison of spoilers pretty mm-hmm. soon. And what people think and their expectations of that. But, mm-hmm. like, it's just... I, it, then now is the time if it's, like, infinite imagination. Like, literally yeah. anything can happen in these movies. And what would you do with that? Yeah. So. And if, if you enjoy writing at all, I think it's just... It's a fun exercise. Um, you... you kind of like you have to make all these choices right away to even begin to to pitch a stories movie you know eu or not eu what time period all that um and then you kind of have to think like well okay this is a movie like it's supposed to be an exciting movie like can i deliver on that or, or do my ideas in fact just suck and maybe they do i don't know um so some some general guidelines here uh i had this taking place about 60 to 65 years after return of the jedi Mm-hmm. And my kind of reasoning for this is I want to as much as possible kind of like leave the idea of most expanded universe stuff intact without ever really addressing it or being like hamstrung by it. Like right. I'd, I'd like to position this as a movie that like you could say all the stuff in the EU happened, but it doesn't really have any direct bearing on these events and you're not tied down to any of the characters and whatnot. Yeah. Cause uh, it just, that's too uh like creatively binding i think to have to be like oh well, like what's alana solo during during this you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. plus just assume they all died off screen jason's dead so jason's get, dead get over and so is so is chewbacca yeah and that's that's i guess the one thing is that like uh 
if you really wanted, you could have Chewbacca in my opening scene here or not, just based on how you feel. So uh, I wrote an opening crawl. Oh, and I also I made up some some character names here. They're really bad. Um, the, my my creative energies were not focused on making character names. So uh, my my main character, for instance, I named him Rake Contrail, which is awful. Um, yeah. I'm just writing down the first thing that comes to mind. Um, just vowels and you know sounds and whatnot. Well, I think with some of these, if you don't mind, for the purpose of the podcast, we'll go by actor suggestions okay yeah um but one of them is so good the yeah font. sorry continue okay uh i don't know should i do the opening crawl first or my dramatis personae first um well no i thought i don't i think you should actually skip the dramatis personae i think uh, you should okay. just let it come out and just do your opening crawl because when uh when you gave me the pitch there mm. was no dramatis personae like you you introduced the characters to me as they came up in the, the synopsis. So, mm-hmm. Okay. So, opening crawl. I don't have a title for this. I suppose you could call it something like the Twin Sons. Uh, the only part that doesn't work about that is that there are no sons. Uh, like, like Spoiler! Sons. Yeah. There, there are one kind of sons, but not another kind of sons. They're daughters instead. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, the New Republic is failing. After decades of peace, attrition and old sectarian grudges have allowed the dastardly crime lord Zinjin and his sinister lieutenants to corrupt the halls of power. Determined to save the Republic, Princess Leia Solo has met in secret on New Alderaan with her most trusted allies to craft, to craft a new government, one that can prosecute Zinjin and restore justice to the galaxy. Before the princess can sign the charter, a distress call from Coruscant ends the summit in chaos as the allies race against time to prevent an unimaginable disaster. I remember being very intrigued by your opening crawl. Um, jokingly, I would add that it seems like uh, a New Republic's like uh, uh, political system is, is very similar to like whatever the hell's going on in England and their <laughs> political process. But, anyways, yes. And why not? I, I think the important thing is that you don't ever focus too closely on on how this charter works and how it makes a new government. Just accept that it does. Because that was such fun in the prequel. Yeah, that's the thing is you gotta, especially when it comes to Star Wars, you just like, you know, the guy comes in, oh, we dissolve the Senate, and you just have to be like, okay, I didn't yeah. need to see the scene where that happens, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I guess I'll skip my dramatis personae. Um, basically what I have here, I I put a lot of detail into like the first fifteen or so minutes, and then the rest is like a much more of a vague outline. Um, so my opening, this is kind of where I put most of my creative energies into. Uh, you know, Starfield pans down to the Millennium Falcon, obviously, yes. dropping out of hyperspace, and then just, like, a, a shitload of, like, small vessels behind it, you know. Um, and you see that you're in the Coruscant system, where the primary star of Coruscant is collapsing into a black hole. So right away, we're taking care of Coruscant. Sorry. Which I feel is an important thing, because... Star Wars is more fun without meetings. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's they show up, Coruscant, there's a black hole. They got to rescue as many people as they can, you know, cut to the cockpit. You got Han and Leia there with R2 and 3PO. Han probably says something about, like, this can't be natural, but there really isn't any time, you know. So they have to race down to the planet and try to pick up whoever they can before, uh, you know, the planet gets sucked into the black hole. So then we cut to our hero who I've named Rake Contrail. That's yes. R-A-E-K uh, in, in traditional sci-fi spelling. Um, he's basically just a courier piloting a small delivery ship. He's young, eager to help. Um, this would be like your like your unknown casting, I guess. But he's you a know? bit he's a bit roguish though, right? He's a bit. I mean, I, I feel like he's um, if I had to describe him as a character, he's kind of like he's a little too eager to help sometimes. Like he's kind of uh. Like, biting off more than he can chew would be the best way to describe him. Okay. You know, like, he's a little too game, and gets himself in trouble because of it. He comes from a slightly shady background, even if he himself is not all that shady. Yeah. Well, he's, uh, and I, I don't really go into this in the stuff I wrote, but you could say that it maybe wasn't his ship to, like, take. Like, he just, he found out Coruscant was in trouble and maybe, like, grabbed the ship to, from work and, like, went, you know? No, right. Not necessarily having permission, so. He... 
he shows up in Coruscant with a small ship, lands on a platform with, you know, a bunch of people hoping to escape certain doom, and uh, loads a bunch of people on, and he, he tries to take off, and he can't because there's too much weight, even after, like, throwing out all his cargo. And so he's kind of, like, awkwardly, like, just trying to see, like, oh, is there anyone can go on a different shuttle? You know, and so they basically, they respond by throwing him off his own ship, uh, along with a small child, and then they take off without him. Mm-hmm. See a typo there. Yeah, just small chili. Yeah, small chili. <laughs> just a small chili. So they take off without him. That's kind of like going to be emblematic of like, that's the kind of character he is. You know, he's trying to do a little too much and getting screwed because of it. Right. Um, right. He's literally like seemingly to me the combination of Han and Luke from like uh, New yeah. Hope. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. He's he's kind of supposed to occupy the center between like a, a Luke on one side and a Han on one side, I guess, you know. Um, you'll you'll meet those characters later. So Seth's so starting to get kind of desperate. Like the landing platform he's on, like all the other ships are taking off. He manages to like throw the kid that got thrown off with him. He like throws him onto one of the other ships, uh, but then he's like all alone on the platform, no one there to rescue him. Uh, but then the Falcon shows up and like Leia yanks him off the ground using the Force. Um, opportunity to have like a cool shot of Leia being a Jedi here, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I would picture just her having like super long white hair. You know, like blowing right. in the wind. I wouldn't wind. Not enough wind in the prequels. Grand. Mm-hmm. So she saves him, pulls him up onto the Falcon, uh, you know, brings him into the cargo hold with the rest of the people, and then they, they're away. And, you know, basically, like, Coruscant just starts to break up and fall into the black hole behind him. So that's it. No more Coruscant. Trillion people die. Uh, and visually, I'm not sure really how you do this, but I feel like the black hole needs to... I guess it kind of needs to look like some sort of, like, funnel or something. You know, like a funnel of energy or something like that. Similar to the black hole weapon from like the Star Trek reboot, yeah. I don't even remember that, but sure. And you could do the thing where Leia, uh, uh, like she kind of rubs her temple and she does like a little little callback to the, yeah, yeah. you know, like a trillion voices cried out and then we're suddenly silenced, all that stuff, yeah. So it's like, they can't save anyone else. They got to get out of there. All the ships are pulling away. Uh, but then, like out of nowhere... Somebody fires on the Falcon's engines uh, to some ship, fires on him, and, like, races away. And basically, like, just imagine, like, all the engines in the Falcon, except for, like, maybe one over on the side are out. And mm-hmm. so they they don't have enough power now to escape the black hole. They're, like, caught in this funnel and, like, kind of, like, spiraling around in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so they won't be able to get away. They don't know who attacked them, but they're they're screwed. And all the other ships are too far away now. Like, nobody can come back and save them. Um, they do have a life pod or an escape pod that only holds one person, only enough oxygen for one person. Uh, so Han goes back to his cargo hold and he does the thing where he's like, you know, everyone under 20, raise your hands. Few people well, do. Sorry, just to clarify, ahead. he's picked up some people, like before they picked up the yeah, guy. Yeah, there's a bunch of people in the cargo hold. Some people from the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, continue. Say like a dozen people, you know. Um, right. So everyone under 20 raise their hands. Few people do, including our hero, Rake. Uh, now everyone under 18, only he raises his hand. Or no, a couple people, Rake and one other guy are left. And before Han can choose, Leia stops him because she's like, there's something weird about Rake. And so she chooses him. Uh, Rake doesn't want to go. But, you know, he's like, oh, no, like one of you should go. But, you know, they they kind of look at each other and they're like, no, you know, we can't leave. You know, one of us can't leave the other type of deal. So Han forces him into the escape pod. Uh, there's room for R2 there as well, since he's not going to use oxygen. Um, oh, I forgot. Like before, first when they uh, when they realize they're not going to get away, you have the line where like either Leia or Han is like R2 start recording. So they record something that will come up later, you know, when they deliver it to Luke. Um, so they shove Rake into the escape pod and they they give him like the charter that still needs signatures from like I don't know six or seven sectors or whatnot, you know, sector governors or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs to, they, they need him to get this document to Luke Skywalker so he, that he can get the other signatures to create the new government. Uh, then they put him in the pod with R2. You have like the, uh, the R2 and 3PO goodbye scene, you know, mm-hmm. lots mm-hmm. of feels. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fucking tearing up here. Yeah. yeah. And then they eject him. And so his escape pod, it has its own engines. It's able to get away from the black hole. So he gets away. The Falcon does not. And so. Back in the cockpit, Han and Leia are kind of sharing a moment as they spiral towards the black hole, you know. And you said you could either have Chewie here, or you could have, like, another alien 
Eh, just no one. Pilot that's either, picked up. Either Chewie or just no one, I think, is the way you do it. Okay. 3PO's there, you know, so they kind of, they're facing their impending doom, you know, maybe something like Han or Leia gets on the intercom and, like, kind of apologizes to the refugees. And then, um, Han's just like, you know, Londo knew some crazy scientists. He thought you could travel through a wormhole in hyperspace, you know, like using a black hole. And Leia's like, well, did it work? And she's like, and Han's like, oh, no, the ship exploded, you know. But um, since they're all dead anyway, like, why not give it a shot, you know. And so they, you know, basically target the center of the black hole, hold hands, and, like, pull down on a hyperspace level together. And then just, boom, they go into hyperspace right in the center of the black hole. Cut, you know, they're gone. Mm-hmm. This is like the 15 minute mark of the film. Yeah, it's maybe 15 minutes in at this point. So, and, you know, the kind of idea behind all this, you do need to get rid of your old characters here. You don't necessarily want to kill them. I mean, obviously, uh, it'll come up later. They're, I mean, they're going to be dead eventually, but it's like you don't want to see it, kind of. You know what I mean? Having not read all of your textual synopsis here, do you Mm -hmm. go into stuff we talked about? Mm -hmm. About, Mm -hmm. okay. So it's not like you have you've seen the last of the Falcon. We'll put it that way. You haven't seen the last of the Falcon, but this is a an opportunity for Han and Leia to uh, this is their high note die off screen, go out on a high note. You don't want to you don't want to see them die necessarily. They're just gone. It kind of like it feels a little better than death, you know. Yeah. Um, and it you know kickstarts a lot of shit in motion. So at this point, kind of the rest of the story here, you you could do the scene where you cut to a lot of other planets where people are kind of like watching in horror on the news. Oh, you're right there. Sorry, you should really put that on vibrate. I did. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you know, Coruscant's gone now. It's like a trillion people are dead. Um. So and then you cut to the the evil crime lord Zinjin. He's like talking to all his lieutenants via hologram. They're gonna all start like consolidating power and taking over. Um, I gave him a one specific lieutenant with the absurd name of Dagon Frost. Mm-hmm. You like know, Deacon Frost? Oh, who's Deacon Frost? Deacon Frost is Steven Dorff from Blade. <laughs> <laughs> that was not, I was not thinking of that, but you know a guy's bad news when his name's Frost, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, can I just say Zinjin, played by Timothy Oliphant? Yeah, Zinjin would be played by Timothy Oliphant. Um, a lot of these characters are human. I mean, I guess he could make Zinjin some sort of alien under makeup, but I, I feel like if I were making the movies, I would want to restrict my actors as little as possible um, for, like, the meaty roles. Well, it was interesting is that, so you had this idea um, relatively early on our vacation. You shared it with me. And then it was like every time we were in a hotel room, we happened to flip on a TV. Like, you kept uh, seeing like, Oliphant. Yeah. yeah, like every other time there was, like, an Oliphant movie. And... The guy has such a bizarre, expressive face that whatever the makeup is, you want to leave his face unencumbered. Yeah, you don't want to. You um, don't want to, you know, bury him under makeup or make it so that even though you can see his face, it, like it's just hard for him to be expressive. You know, and, like. And as as you pitched it, the way I saw this, I saw it was the this is like your ultimate character for a new Star Wars movie that's not too referency of previous star wars stuff but also kind of is because he's a he is a crime lord which is a big deal in star wars Mm -hmm. but well more on that in a moment yeah um and so zinjin one kind of detail of zinjin's like palace where he's you know conducting his business in behind him on the wall he has like somebody encasing carbonite and like they probably have some sort of horrified expression on their face and maybe they're throwing their hands up or something like that you know and so that'll come up later. That's your kind of check off gun there. But, you know, he he does have so many encased on carbonite in the wall behind him. That is one detail that I stole from somewhere in these uh in these awful stores ideas on the force net is somebody had the idea for somebody trapped in carbonite. And that was like mm-hmm. the only good idea that any of them had. And so uh, but I stole it. The elephant character, he's he's kind of a collector. Like he takes things. Yeah. So yeah, he has like a vault not... with lots of like stuff in it, you know. It's, so it's there's nice little visual like Easter eggs from Star Wars lore while not being too. It's like just the right amount of fan servicey, you know. Mm-hmm. He's he to me. I took it. He's literally, he's literally the evil Star Wars fan from the internet age. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Get meta. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a collector. He has lots of shit. Um, and so he's telling uh, Dagon Frost here. Oh, what a name. Um. 
He's like, he wants him to confirm the destruction of the Falcon and, like, find that escape pod, you know, like, make sure nobody got away. Because presumably he was behind the attack on the Falcon and possibly right. Coruscant being destroyed, you know. Right. Um, so then we, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not sure. I, when I wrote this, we cut to, uh, to two sisters who I guess mm-hmm. in this scene, you don't know that they're Skywalker twins yet. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess that's how you play it. You just, you cut to who seemingly like two, like, you know, hot 20 something girls who are like smugglers mm-hmm. and like, like, you know, one is, uh, like maybe he's like, you know, walking down a hall with like the news playing in the background, like walking into like a, a hangar bay or whatever, finds the mm-hmm. other at, at the ship. And so it just says something like there was an escape pod and the other one's like, let's go. And like, that's all you get. So you don't really know who these characters are yet, you know? Right. Um, they're, they're like kind of like smuggler. I describe them as like more punk rock Hawk Han Solo type of deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, not robes and boringness, you know, much more pants and jumpsuit and maybe some tattoos or something like that, you know, heavy right. eye makeup, that kind of thing. One of them, they're young. One of them is blonde. One of them is brunette. Yes. We went to our usual go-to casting of Case 2 and Teresa Palmer. Yeah, which yeah. thinking back on it, while wow, they do look frighteningly alike, <laughs> I think Teresa Palmer's one that doesn't quite fit this case. Two, I could very well see based on what I've heard of the synopsis. So, well, far. we were we were talking maybe Rooney Mara and somebody like Kristen yeah. Bell instead or something like which that. Which is, you know, again, like if Case Two had gotten cast in a Star Wars movie, <laughs> like before Twilight <laughs> stuff, like Io Nine would have to name her like Woman of the like decades. The internet would break. Yeah, that's would. like every Star Wars fan's worst nightmare. I'm sorry. Do you really want Megan Fox in a Star Wars movie, or do you want Case Two? You want Case Two, folks. If you want Megan Fox. You're an idiot. You're a soulless idiot. Sorry. Um. So <laughs> that was like brief interlude to them. Um. Somewhere in here, I didn't write this, but I I would want a scene where like somebody comes to your arrest engine, like mm-hmm. you know, like a say like a like a captain and like his troops or whatever. He comes to your arrest engine, and Zenjin's just like, really? You want to arrest me? And then he like turns to one of his like troopers, and the trooper just shoots the guy. You know, yeah. like to yeah. just kind of show how how much control he has and how he's bought off everyone. You know. Well, and we had talked about before that that Zinjin ha- or the Oliphant, sorry, mm-hmm. has like a posse of people who hang around of him, kind of like like Jabba had that huge posse at his palace, like, like competent people. But yeah, they're more competent. But like we talked about that one of his one of the members of his entourage would be like a slightly skinnier hut. Mm-hmm. who was in line, like, underneath the Oliphant. Um, he's like a banker. Not, yeah, he's, not, he's, the, he's the money guy, yeah. Yeah, it's not like Oliphant's working for the Huts. The Huts are working for him. Yeah. I think we talked about the, he's basically, like, this current generation's head of the Black Sun, right? Yeah, I mean, he, I didn't mention it in the outline, but you could just say he's leading the Black Sun. And that's Does he, I don't that's think an E reference. It doesn't hurt, I don't think. Yeah, you don't even need to know anything about the the organization from the books and stuff it just sounds cool there's a criminal organization called black sun that's all you need to know from the eu basically they're just some organized crime unit called black sun yeah Um, so cut back to uh rake and his escape pod he gets it actually kind of fits really well considering they turn the sun into a black hole sorry continue there you go (laughs) metaphor uh so rake he's in his escape pod with r2 he gets picked up by like a cargo ship you know, along with a bunch of other escape pods that are getting picked up. He's just gotten out of his pod. He's he's sad, you know, doesn't really know what he's going to do. When, like, a bunch of pirates burst out of the other escape pods and hijack the ship. It's kind of going to be the theme with Ray, because he's kind of, like, out of the frying pan into the fire, you know. Uh, yeah. So these pirates take over the ship, and uh, they do the thing where they round everyone up, and they're like, well, you can either join our gang, or you can get dropped off the nearest spaceport. Like, who wants to get dropped off? And, like, Rake's too smart for this, but a couple people raise their hands and he just shoots them, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you know this guy's a bad guy. Right. So here you figure we're probably like 20 to 30 minutes into the movie. Um, the next scenes would involve, like, Rake is going to, like, get sent with some other pirates on a job. Probably as, like, the pilot, so R2 is with them. Maybe do something where, like, they've rigged his ship to explode if he tries to escape or something like that, you know? So he's, he's basically mm-hmm. just getting Shanghai into working for the pirates. Um, meanwhile... Dagan Frost is like trying to track him down, as are the uh, the two smuggling women who we don't know who they are yet. You know. Mm-hmm. Also, one detail I put in um, the 
they have a first mate on the ship who's gonna, basically going to be like the Chewie character. Um, right. There's a character in Race Squadron. His name's Runt. He's a, like a Thakwesh, or I can't remember what. Uh, I, I mentioned him in Dramatis Persona. What is it? A Thakwash from Thakwas. Um, these characters, as described in the novel, it's basically imagine like a horse head person, you know? Woo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I always thought was hilarious. So I would, I would love to put like a, like a, a person you who's like, he's kind of furry. Name. Oh, go ahead. Colt. Colt. Yeah, he's named Colt. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> that's his nickname. So he kind of like, he's kind of like a little bit furry, like Chewbacca probably has like furry arms and hands and whatnot. Yeah. But he's just got like a horse head, but he talks, you know, like he, he speaks, Does he... he doesn't like growl, he speaks English. When he's like upset, does he make like a yes, sound? yes? <laughs> I want okay. it to be weird. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's kind of a wrong. Mm-hmm. So he's like the first uh, mate on the smuggler ship. Uh, and you well, hold on, you get you get the impression too, as if we didn't hit it on the head enough of one of them being blonde and one of them being brunette. The blonde one is the more good girl. Slightly slightly boring. She's a good girl. A little bit too pious one, though, you know. The, the brunette is more sullen, mm-hmm. withdrawn, a little snarky. She's a bad girl, yeah. yeah. So everyone's, you know, Rake has to go on this mission. Meanwhile, both Dagon and these smugglers are trying to track him down. Eventually, they kind of all come to a head. And I really didn't focus too much on, like, the uh, like set pieces here because um, mm-hmm. it's pointless. You know, obviously, somebody could come up with something cool if they're really going to make this a new movie. Um, but it all comes to a head where... Uh, our smugglers uh, abduct Rake right ahead of Dagon and get away. And maybe Dagon has like one of those like force pike things that like Grievous' guards have, so like uh, they can like fight him and like reveal that one of the smugglers is a Jedi. You know, cool. um, uses a lightsaber. So they get away, and it's it's kind of revered. These these two smuggling chicks are actually uh, who would I call them? Jasara Skywalker and Jendi Skywalker, uh, two twins. Jasara's a blonde one. She's the Jedi. Um, maybe a little bit pious, you know, a little bit too full of herself. Jendi Skywalker is the other one. She's the sullen one, played by Case Stu, you know. She is not a Jedi. Um, it's kind of revealed that, like, she actually is a smuggler. And she's just, like, helping out her sister. She, she's turned her back on, like, the Skywalker legacy because she doesn't want those expectations and responsibility, you know. But she does have abilities of the Force. She still has the Force, and she kind of knows how to use it, but she's not trained. Or nearly okay. as trained, you know. And she's not seeking to be trained. Yeah. Uh, no mention. Uh, these these are set up as Luke Skywalker's granddaughters. No, you really don't mention their parents other than that they're dead and that they prefer not to talk about it. So that's how I'm maintaining my continuity here. It's like somebody in the EU can write about what happened, you know, if they want. Right. Yeah. There's there's like a twenty book series right there. Because mm-hmm. that's how so, the EU um, unfortunately works. And the other detail about Rake, and I never really explained why this is, but for some reason they can't feel him in the Force, and so they're suspicious of him immediately. They do the thing where one of them stabs him in the hand with a knife, to, and, you know, and he's like, ow, and he's like, oh, you're not a droid, you know? Um, right. They can't feel him in the Force, they're suspicious, but, you know, he has uh, he has R2, and he tells him about the Charter and the mission to find Luke, like, you know, they kind of reveal themselves to him, you know, that they're the Skywalker twins. So they're gonna take him to Luke. Meanwhile, Dagon Frost is tracking them. Oh, he's probably like some sort of alien. I wrote him as being a Fallen in my Dramatis Persona. He doesn't necessarily. What exactly is that. a Fallen? Zizor. Okay. Yeah. Because we had talked about, I think, at one point that he was droid-like, and then I believe when we discussed further developments, maybe we backed off from the droid thing. Yeah. Since we were gonna see that elsewhere. He's he's some kind of like clearly anti- antagonistically designed alien. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, yeah. where is Luke at? Luke's on New Alderaan. Sorry, I just saw that. Okay. Yeah. Hold on a sec. Sorry, it seems there. Um, I guess Luke's on New Alderaan. He could be somewhere else. Um, I definitely want to put Corellia in this movie somewhere. I feel like right. like that's a planet that's like. It's like, why haven't they gone there yet in a Star Wars movie? You know? Well, I kind of figured that... I thought we'd talk about, like, Rake would be Corellian. He could be Corellian, yeah. Because he has, like, his blood stripes. Uh, he, shouldn't, he shouldn't have blood stripes, though. Maybe he earns them, but he shouldn't have them yet. Okay. Like, I feel like he's, like, uh... He's probably somebody who, like, highly misrepresents his skills, you know? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. he, like, he wants to be involved. 
but he, you know, it's like he's a, he can pilot all right, but it's not like he's ever been a firefighter or anything before, you know. Right. right. Well, and and again, Rake, we could probably come up with casting suggestions for every one of these roles, but Rake should be played by an unknown, a relatively unknown, relatively unknown. You know, hasn't been in any major movies. You kind of want a fresh face, you know. And yeah, like I said, he's kind of like, he occupies a center between Jendi Skywalker on one side, who's kind of like the like kind of snarky Han character, and then Jasara Skywalker on the other, who's kind of like, kind of like the boring Jedi, like a little, a little too full of herself, you know, a little too chaste. Right. And obviously, uh, you know, triangle. There's attraction. People, yeah. people can, people yeah. can have their team Jendi and team Jasara shirts. I feel like you don't yes. you don't get that too much anymore. It's all two guys that's, and one one girl. That's so one, what makes it brilliant, yeah. I think, too. Yeah. Okay. So they take him to Luke. They're being tracked. I guess Luke's on New Alderaan or wherever. He's like he's with some other allies, and I wrote in the the thing here. It's like this would be something you'd kind of have to flesh out in an actual movie. Like maybe those are some other important like political leaders or something. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So rather than attack, Dagon just like messages like Zinjin is like, you know, I found them like where they went. And so Zinjin, he shows up uh, and he brings his like carbonite uh, person trapped in carbonite with him. And he it's like one of these things where it's like a like a very uh, like tense like dinner that they're having. You know, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. they're, they're seemingly there like on diplomatic terms, but everything's super tense and there's bodyguards and whatnot. But he, he offers this. uh this person trapped in carbonite as a gift to Luke. And he tells him that, you know, according to legend, there's a Sith trapped inside this carbonite mm-hmm. and that everyone who owns this, like experiences like financial success, but like personal tragedy. And so he's the, uh, the tip you have in the, your textual one is, is very interesting that it's a Sith apprentice who was trapped in the carbonite by his own master who feared him. Yes. Yeah, like that's, that. that's the legend. And so he's okay. he's giving this carbonite slab to Luke because it presents like a moral quandary for Luke. Does Luke should he destroy this because there is a Sith inside? He's essentially essentially going to be destroying like a defenseless being, you know. Um, does mm-hmm. he release the Sith? You know, is he going to like you know try to do the right thing, which could be extremely dangerous as well, or does he do nothing, which is kind of like a moral bankruptcy where he's not taking any responsibility at all, you know? And it's it's kind of like just sticking it to Luke by like you know. Here you are. I'm going to like prove the uh, the failings of your your morality. You know, here's the keys to hell. Literally, yeah. Well, I yeah. feel like but that would be one of the themes of these movies is kind of like how do you live in a world where there's like a you know your own morality. There's a limit to what you can do in the universe. Type of theme, you know. Tonight you're gonna have to break your one rule. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The the other thing too, just to hit it home even more on the head, is that uh. The beyond the legend of this Sith apprentice in Carbonite is that uh, the Oliphant has been in ownership of this thing, this artifact, for quite some time. Yeah, yeah, for many years. Good things have happened. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot. Like previously, when they meet up with Luke, uh, you kind of have the scene where like R two plays a message for Luke from Han and Leia, and mm. you know it's sad and all that. Um, and then something where like kind of just some scene between luke and rake where he's just like you know do you want to go home or do you want to do you want to join us and he wants to help and he's like oh there's nothing left for me at home and luke it's has like to, i lived on coruscant yeah well luke has to do the thing where he's just like you know there's always something left to lose but like rake's really insistent so luke's like all right well why don't you you know kind of want, wants to put him with his his granddaughters there to, to keep an eye on them um, so after their like kind of weird dinner banquet thing where he leaves the, uh, the Sith apprentice trapped in carbonite, giant checkoff gun, uh, Zinjin leaves with Dagon, uh, Jasara Skywalker sneaks aboard Dagon's ship, uh, before it leaves. Uh, and because he's looking out for her, so does Rake, you know, so that they're both stowing away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, meanwhile, Luke has like some sort of disturbing dream or vision. I don't know necessarily what it'd be something, something thematically appropriate. And then they wake up, her and him and Jendi find that Rake and Jassar are gone. Uh, so at this point, I don't have too much in the way of a plot here. Essentially, Jendi goes off to chase after Jassar and Rake, who've like 
they've discovered that like Dagon is in control of like some kind of super weapon that makes the black holes or something like that. Meanwhile, Luke he travels to Zinjin's palace with the Carbonite Sith. Like he's he's taking it back. He's he's decided that like the answer to the riddle here is that he's not taking responsibility for this and he's just giving it back. You know, um, something happens where. Luke has to sacrifice himself or like stay behind to hold off attackers so everyone else can get away. Um, so he's going to be like mortally wounded here. And the uh, kind of idea I had for his death scene is just something where he's he's been mortally wounded, but he can like still like he does like a salute and then he just like pulls his hood down. And then as he pulls his hood down, he just disappears. You know, like that's when yeah. he dies. Something like that. Robe just kind of falls to the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how Luke goes out. Uh, and then the climax is. Something to do with uh, they have to stop Dagon Frost from like destroying another planet with this black hole weapon. Um, at some point, Jassara needs to be injured, forcing Jendi to kind of like embrace her Jedi skills. Um, the thing I had for this, and this may be too ridiculous, but something where they lose their shields on the ship, like Rake's piloting, Jassara's injured, the shields go down on the aft, and so Jendi gets in like a spacesuit and like goes outside with Jassara's lightsaber and starts like deflecting the bolts that are flying at them. That might look I ridiculous. I don't know. You asked me if this was if this would make sense or would suspend disbelief prior to giving me the pitch, and I mm-hmm. remember you and I went to a whole thing that it would really depend on the size of size like of the, the laser blast that yeah. she has to deflect with the. And we talked about a little bit that like maybe some of it's with the lightsaber and some of it's just like literally using the force to try to like inch the blast just over enough. Yeah, I think it had to be with the lightsaber. The forcing wouldn't make sense to audiences. True. Yeah. So basically, you know, they win, they defeat and kill Dagon. Um, Icy's engine is still around. Um, but he's injured. Is he? Well, we talked about uh, the Oliphant's character. Which, oh, he gets uh, like more and more injured and like losing gets, more he, limbs. He, yeah, he becomes <laughs> like he gets more and more like cybernetic or droid parts as the trilogy goes on. Spoiler: mm-hmm. He survives Episode Eight too, but like he's almost he's not quite grievous by the third one, <laughs> but like the the natural bits of him are are less going away. Less, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Ian, you have Luke's memorial. The galaxy's kind of in chaos right now because there is. There's like a vacuum of leadership, and Zinjin is kind of like taking control everywhere. Oh, let's talk about this. We didn't really go into this. Your idea still calls for there to be the Imperial Remnant. Yeah, you know, I don't address it in this, but I I Mm -hmm. guess it could come up in the next two movies. And the other thing we had talked about, I believe, is that there are more than just these few Jedi, but there is not a proper Jedi order. It's that every. Yeah, that that's Rook. in here at the end. Um, okay. Sorry. Basically, at some point in the past, Luke dissolved the Jedi Council because he, he felt like the Jedi were just too intertwined with politics. Too so many meetings. The Jedi, they still exist as kind of like independent agents. They probably only have like an apprentice or two, and they mostly stick to their own region. They're kind mm-hmm. of like, like a local Jedi type of thing rather than just being like this like super Jedi force that goes everywhere. So you may encounter other Jedi in these movies from time to time, but there would never be like an army of Jedi that comes together. I don't think it's just as you're passing through different territories. And what yeah. Have you. Um, so let's see the end of the movie Luke's Memorial. They still need to like get all these other members to like sign on to the charter for their new Alliance. But like the galaxy is like so overrun by like Zinjin's henchmen now that like they're going to need Jendi's like smuggler connections to like sneak in and out of various systems, you know, so that mm-hmm. kind of sets up them working together. And the last shot of the movie is that Carbonite Sith is back hanging in Zinjin's palace. It's after hours, and uh, it starts blinking on the side, and the Carbonite starts to melt. So the Sith is about to be released in the credits. Which I think is an excellent cliffhanger. We never really had a pure cliffhanger like that in a Star Wars movie. No, no. Which is why I was surprised that you... Which you want to pick up episode eight immediately afterwards, but you kind of have to. Somewhat. Especially I mean, it wouldn't reveal, be the reveal of who, because that's the other question too that you have. I think the thing you should add there, if you're not going to actually full on show the person, is you should show a hooded figure is the one who goes down the thing, like sneaks through, you know, uh, uh, Oliphant's palace at night and activates the the melting of the carbonite. I feel like that scene would have to come earlier, because why would? Why would certain characters be there at the end of the movie? I guess you're is right, the problem. You're right. 
So, but yeah. maybe earlier you just see a hooded figure approaching the uh, the Carbonite Sith, but then it kind of cuts away. So it just leaves Spoiler, open the idea. Yeah. The hooded figure is a bit of a shock. Yeah, yeah it's not that much of a shock. Um, so the uh, the next movie would basically, I feel like it, obviously it has to start in space because it's a Star Wars movie, and mm-hmm. probably with like them chasing this guy as he like escapes the planet. But then you kind of go back down to the planet and show that, like, this guy's just, like, carved the path of destruction through Zinjin's palace to get away, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the basic ideas for the next movie, um, Zinjin is, he's still, like, kind of, like, he, he doesn't, like, rule the galaxy, really, but he just, like, controls so much of it through corruption, you know? He's just, yeah. like, a major power. And yet, he now, because of the Sith Apprentice is, like, awoken... He's kind of been forced to become a puppet of him because, like, the apprentice eventually comes back and just basically makes Zinjin do what he wants, you know, and, like, Zinjin can't really resist. Um, but he's not, he's not being, like, mind controlled. Not mind controlled, but it's kind of he- like Zinjin thinks he's running the show, and then the apprentice shows up and's like, You're going to do this for me now. And Zinjin kind of has to do it, you know? He's, he's, he's more powerful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one idea I had that I kind of like is that. He's been in so the Sith guy, who I guess I should give a name. I don't know, like Darth Badass or whatever. He's been in uh, hibernation for so long that he has he's permanently blind from hibernation sickness. Uh, so I'd, I would love like whether or not this guy's an alien or not. I like the idea of like he just like takes a a rag and like ties it around his eyes. Like I feel like that would be a cool costume, you know? Right. Or like right. it just his eyes are like covered with a like a blindfold the whole time. Um, and this kind of comes into play because rate cannot be sensed through the Force. And so that gives him an advantage that p- other people don't have. Because this guy, because he's super force powerful, so obviously he can maneuver without sight. But uh, Rake is somebody who could actually fight him, although it would be very dangerous, you know. Yeah. He's still he's still dangerous, even if he can't sense Rake. I mean, he still has ears, you know. He mm-hmm. still smell. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about, like, how would I would explain that? Like, why... Why Rake can't be sensed in the forest. I feel like the easy solution here would just be to say he does have a small amount of, like, force power. Um, and that, like, as a young kid, like, something terrible happened and he basically just, like, used it to hide himself in the force. And hmm. so he's just always been hidden in the force because of that. He doesn't know how to control it or anything. It's just, that's why, you know. It's like a but, subconscious thing that's just, like, locked in. Yeah. Okay. And I, if you wanted, maybe he could, you know. In the third movie, they realize that, you know, probably when when he falls in love with whoever, they realize they can sense him now, you know, mm. something like that. Uh, so let's see. And then so that's kind of the episode eight plot line is that the Sith is, you know, wreaking havoc, whereas Zinjin's kind of like, you know, just being corrupt. Uh, the Skywalker twins are trying to, like, sneak into various systems to, like, get their charter signed by various political leaders, you know, Um mm. I don't know, it's a minor plot hole, but... I, mean, I guess it's like, how would you form a new government if he already controls everything? I don't know. Maybe they just need the uh, the authority from these different planets, and then they're going to act to like take out all the corruption or something well, like that. I that. think that's, that's... The New Republic is, is not... Does not feel like it's allied anymore. Like, yeah. Everything is kind of broken down, and this kind of thing... You know, it's it's a uh, uh, the charter like a, enables what do you call it, like a mutual aggression pact or whatever. Oh, um, well, the charter! I feel like it enables the Skywalker twins, like the authority, to implement a new government. You know, so it's going to. Well, I think it, it 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 grants the New Republic the authority to be a New Republic again, to be a, a, an ally. Well, there is no New Republic. I, I think they're they're going around. They need you know like the various major sectors to like sign on to this and once they do it's like all right now we're going to create this new government and overthrow yeah. its engine you know well i think it's a good idea is that there is no new republic that's mm-hmm. not the thing that happened after oh no know. there were there was and then there's a galactic alliance and then it it failed you know well you know yeah yeah whatever whatever you you had in like the eu mm-hmm. that failed cuz you're still you're still 20 years after the end of wherever yeah. the eu is now right that's yeah. the idea so that you don't you don't really have to worry too much. You just say it failed, you know. You just um, say hand wave. Sorry. So obviously there's going to be like this is going to be the episode eight will be the love triangle episode, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Probably with like Ray kind of leaning more towards Jasara than Jindy. You know, he likes a nice girl. Uh, I feel like Grando Calrissian has to show up here as a bounty hunter. As played by Idris Elba. Yeah. 
think they hire him to track down the Sith Apprentice. Not to, like, capture him or anything. They just need him to track him so they can find him, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, climactic battle where Jassara battles, you know, Darth Badass or whatever. Uh, she probably, like, loses her hand or arm or something. Seemingly defeated. Darth Badass is preparing for his killing blow. And, you know, something where he's just like, ha-ha, you know, like, you're, you're, you're never strong enough to defeat me. And then she's backed into a corner, and suddenly she's just like, oh, yeah, and she just, like, busts out with some Force Lightning. Um, she's, like, basically, like, willing to use the dark side. She's not going to lose this, you know. And so mm-hmm. she, this is pretty gory. I don't know if this would make it into a, a Star Wars thing, but I like the idea of she blasts him with Force Lightning, and then it's, like, uses the Force to, like, use various ropes and chains to, like, grab his like arms and legs and like kind of pull him in all different directions you know mm-hmm. so he's like kind of mm-hmm. kind of like all chained up and like you know being stretched every way and then she uses his lightsaber and just pokes him with the tip of it and he just like rips apart well there was there was something i remember i, I had suggested to you that i really liked where uh uh after he's dead like she's holding her lightsaber which is you know blue or green or whatever let's say blue and then she picks up his, which is red, and she kind of just like does that like thing where you kind of just like wave each of them, like like test the weight of each of them, and then she kind of just tosses hers away. Ah, uh, it feels like a little too on the nose. I feel like it could be better if she just uses his lightsaber at the end to kill him, and no, then like, um, and then she just decides to keep it. Well, I'm reading, I'm reading along here, but you haven't, you haven't given the big reveal yet. Oh, so um, in this fight, you know, probably after. After she uses the Force Lightning and, like, chains, it, chains the Sith Lord up, you know, and she's just before she's about to kill him, she reveals that she is the one who freed him from the Carbonite. Because uh, she wanted him to, she wanted revenge on Zinjin, she wanted him to, like, reign chaos, which he has done, and now she is, you know, going to kill him. So she's, I feel like the, the character arc here is that she's so focused on her task that she's willing to use any means necessary type of thing, you know. Yeah. She'll use the dark side, she'll use the light side, whatever, you know. And so that's how episode eight would end. She's kind of like on her first, you know, on, on the path to the dark side now. But still, like, nobody really knows about this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, she's seemingly like the hero of like the uh, like the new alliance or whatever. She's, uh, yeah, she's like, uh, like super Anakin. Yeah. And so episode nine... This one's very vague. I really don't have much other than I want some sort of in the opening Rake and Jindy are like on a mission and they get caught by Zinjin and locked up in his vault with all his weird collector stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, you know, romance starts developing there. Like he was probably like more into Jasara and like didn't really like Jindy, but she likes him. Something like that, you know, so that that starts going there. Uh, she uses like various items from inside the vault to like create her own lightsaber like, yes. like I think she's like much more mechanical, like good with you know machines and whatnot. And so, she basically like just takes all this different shit from the collection and like you know finds like a crystal and a pipe and whatnot and forges her own lightsaber out of it. I feel like that'd be a cool scene. You, you never really get to see a, someone make a lightsaber, so it is such. This is like such a like like this is the scene that people will be writing about. Like like these two characters are thrown into the middle of literally like the fan servicey vault. Of like Star Wars lore and collectibles, <laughs> and they build their own lightsaber and fall in love. Yeah, it's it's like just you could write a whole like thesis about this right now. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. So you know they use the lightsaber to escape the vault, get on a ship, and maybe like the ship's damaged during the escape, so they have to like crash land on some uninhabited planet nearby, where you know the Force has led them here because they find the Millennium Falcon. Uh, it's been there for like thousands of years. And there's like there's like the remains of some sort of settlement. And there's a graveyard, and there's graves for Han and Leia. So that's that's what happened to them. Like eventually, Han and Leia died. They crash landed on this planet, seemingly sent back past. sent back thousands of years and times. And they, you know, Falcon couldn't, you know, Falcon was broken. They couldn't leave, so they basically just lived out their life on this planet. I feel like that's the best you can do for the Han and Leia story there. Yeah, they die. They're they're given a happy ending. You don't need to see them die on screen. You know, their yeah. graves are next to each other. Obviously, uh, they find three PO on the Falcon boarding ramp. He's you know unpowered. They're able to get him turned back on. But he doesn't really remember what happened, but presumably he buried everyone. You know, eventually. And again, in New Hope, you saw three PO burning 
like little Jawa yeah. bodies or whatever. Yeah. So eventually they, they use all the parts from their ship to fix the Falcon and, you know, get the Falcon running again, the, you know, the hyperdrive from the other ship in it and take off. And you figure by this point, Rake and Jindir, they're pretty much together, you know? Yeah. Um, so now they're back in the Falcon. The main plot line here, I don't really have much. I, I mean, I, the only thing I can think is that like Jasara has become like the leader and she's basically like using like more and more brutal tactics against like Zinjin and like the non-member states, you know, and it ultimately leads to confrontation where Jindy and Jasara have to fight. Uh, at some point, Zinjin has to sacrifice himself to like keep some super weapon away from Jasara. Uh, Jindy, he's not redeemed. But not he's, really redeemed. He's, he's not really her ally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he eventually, like, like the Sith is gone, but then, like, Jassara starts using him, you know? And eventually he just, you know, rather than give her access to, like, even greater weapons, he kills himself. And, and those weapons, you know, like, he destroys them all or something. So, they fight, Jindy and Jassara do. Jindy wins. Um, but she doesn't kill Jassara. Like, yeah, the scene where Jassara just kind of, like, collapses and, like, begs her forgiveness, you know? She's just trying too hard to be a good Skywalker. Um, so they don't kill her. I think she just like goes to prison or whatever, you know, um, space prison. And so, you know, at the end, everyone's happy except for Jasara, Rake and Jindir together. Um, oh, I think we talked about, uh, at some point, at one point in their final battle, like they both like temporarily lose their lightsabers and their, their fight <laughs> the, is just like brawl. a brawl. Yeah. Yeah, plenty Which of opportunities for good I, lightsaber fights here. I had made the comment that that's that's what a lot of like male Star Wars fans need to accept that you have two lady uh, Jedi as your leads as cat fights, and then they start ripping each other's clothes off. Yeah, maybe they kiss accidentally. Oh, and some scene—I don't know where this would be—but somewhere in either the second or third movie, we're talking. You really want like a Wookiee Jedi, yeah, who has like a just like a gigantic lightsaber, like just like I guess imagine like um. Uh, would a Coke can not be, like, not big enough around? Like, imagine, like, three Coke cans stacked up on top yeah. of each other or something like that. Like, that's the lightsaber. It's just a giant ass, like, nine foot long like, I think we talked lightsaber. about the, like, you see a Wookiee ride in on a Rancor. Yes. With, like, a flat like, top then, and, like, a bandana yeah. or something. Well, it's like the Wookiee, like, jumps off the Rancor, doesn't say anything, doesn't even howl yet, just, like, walks up to, like, our heroes and then just does a thing where like it raises its hand and you hear the sound effect and like something gets thrown back and, yeah. and then does a and you're just like holy motherfucking shit that's a Wookiee Jedi yeah who rides a rancor and has a gigantic like nine foot long lightsaber yeah which you bet you have I think you have Rake pick it up <laughs> you can just to pick show it up. in yeah. contrast how freaking huge it is yeah that'd just be like a small scene like that guy doesn't like join the main team or anything because I feel like yeah. the Jedi. They're, like, local now. They're not interested in getting involved in, like, galactic affairs, you know. And listen, folks, you got to still sell toys. Yeah, got to sell some toys. So that's the basic premise. Um, obviously, a, a lot of work would need to be done fleshing it out. But the kind of, like, main themes I wanted to go for were, like, A, not a ton of Jedi, you know, want to kind of focus it down mostly on the more human characters without special powers as much as possible. Um, I wanted two like i wanted female leads you know rather than rather than doing like the team jacob team edward thing you know like the two male leads i wanted to do the two females uh and have our our male lead kind of like the female character in a way you know right um one of lots of smugglers uh some like an actual bounty hunter who who bounty hunts you know and not just like he's like an assassin but they call him bounty hunter um yeah, yeah lots of stuff with smugglers and kind of the galaxy is a more dangerous place there's no coruscant to go run back to for a bunch of meetings and stuff like that you know right yeah like, like i said before other than just a few bits where you acknowledge that like you know there's some fleshing out needed i would watch this movie it's what i like about it is it's it feels very star wars it's it's also something new it uh it, it kind of handles the problems that you have from the pre-existing movies in the best way you can. Cause like you said, you don't want to see Han and Leia die. Not really. Not really. You want them to have a heroic ending, a definitive ending, but you don't really want to see like, well, you them know, get shot. The way I always figured they would do it in the EU books that they eventually had to, it'd just be like Han, Luke and Leia, like get on a ship and disappear for unknown reasons. You know, like that's kind of yeah. how you want them to go out. You know, you don't, yeah. 
you you wouldn't want them to like you don't you don't want to watch them grow old and die and you you probably don't want to really see them die in a fight like you can do like luke you don't want to do all three of them you know no no that's terrible and so they just they disappear into the past and presumably they lived out a happy life and eventually died of old age you know yeah I like my horse head, Colt. You <laughs> <laughs> feel like he has like an English accent, you know, or maybe like South African. Would he have an English accent? Would that make him a villain? Maybe like a South African, or that was a thing too that that drove me nuts about those Force.net like like things. It was like they didn't understand even like the tiny, like just like you know whatever conventions of Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they would have had, like, English actors play the good guys if they could have. It's like, didn't you folks watch Star Wars mm-hmm. movies? Yeah. There's only, there's only one good guy with an English accent in all of Star Wars, and he's dead. Obviously, Zinjin would uh, have an English accent. Yeah, uh, yeah. Can you just Oliphant. imagine the Oliphant with an English accent? And I worry, I worry that, like, if you couldn't get the Oliphant, you'd get, like, Steven Dorff. <laughs> oh, God. you nightmare. <laughs> I don't know who would play our Sith, the like Sith guy, but he'd have to be pretty good, I guess. And like I said, most of these are like intentionally human. I guess some of them you could make non-human, but I feel like you would want a lot of supporting characters to be non-human, like the other various yeah. like political leaders and whatnot, you know. But like you have your your cult horsehead guy, and maybe like Dagon Frost, and like maybe the Sith guy is some sort of non non-human. But other than that, like. Let's be honest, like, uh, these are humans watching these movies, so you want people, yeah. you want characters you can identify with, you know? The, like, I would, I would suggest Joseph Apprentice is kind of like a, like, a, almost like a humanoid type. Like, humanoid. Yeah, humanoid, yeah. but, like, he's got, like, a distinctive, like, evil look yeah. to contrast with, um, Teresa Palmer slash Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I would think you would want the Oliphant's character to not be human, but definitely humanoid. Definitely with a face exposed. I think we had talked about him being I have the him same as a race. human male. I mean, like you could do the thing where he's the same race as as Zizor, but like mm-hmm. he's just got like a very light green palette to his skin. Um, he could be Chiss, like Thrawn's race. Yeah, there you go. I mean, something like that. You know what I mean? Where it's like it's he's human, but actually he's that'd not... be a that'd be a better uh, thing for Dagon Frost. You know, that guy should be blue. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Rake Contrail. Oh, what a terrible name. It's it's a wonderful name. Because your main character is a, is the Rake. Yeah. Contrail. <laughs> because uh, like otherwise the character's gonna get a name like like you know Dash Star. Dash, Dash Randar. Yeah. yeah. Drake Starkiller. Drake Starkiller, exactly. YOLO. Uh so yeah, that's my pitch. Um, I'd like to think it's not as terrible as the ones on the Force Net. Maybe that's just me thinking that, but I don't know. Those, are, I feel like more than the specifics, the general ideas are kind of what I'm more like pleased with. Just the idea of kind of like quickly kind of getting Han and Leia and Coruscant all out of the way in a in a nice, neat little way that kind of. You you know immediately like whoa like Coruscant's gone you know Han and Leia are gone this is a whole new type of galaxy here type of thing you know yeah well you you've got like a big action sequence to start off with and I think I think after the first twenty minutes you're kind of breathless like mm-hmm. you know like Han and Leia are gone they're they're not specifically dead but they're gone you're kind of gripping the armrest of your seat thinking Jesus this movie could go anywhere now you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the inspiration yeah. for that is, of course, A New Hope, where the droids kind of, like, keep going from one place to another before they finally end up with Luke, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the only the only thing that you change that I would, or that I would really do differently from all of your, your ideas here is I would actually leave um, C-3PO dead in the third one. Oh, you just wouldn't bring him back? I, mean, I, think, I think you find his body there and it's deactivated and you kind of like he has like a nice like wordless final you know moment in the, in the films because I think as I said like one of your biggest issues going to a whole series of continuing franchise movies is that is Anthony Daniels you know like I mean you not- could always like 
turn him back on and like reboot him to like his default. You know, he can always just keep three PO around with a different voice or something. That that might be lame, yeah, but, but I'm sure you could find like a new new droid design and just ha- and team up a new droid with R two. You mm-hmm. know, I think I think that people, as much as we all love C three PO, I think people would much rather see R two survive. Yeah, yeah. Well, R two is easy like, to do. He's just bleeps and boops. So you know. yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, like you, you kind of need to start writing out the older cast yeah. members who yeah. can't be around forever. Write them out while you can and while you can make it good. Don't do, what was it, like Bond, like Q and R? Yeah. Uh, Always have an escape route. Exactly. Yeah, I'm really, like, this was like a late development, the the cult character, the Thakwash, but I really like that guy now. It's just like the idea of like a horsehead character. It'd just be so creepy and weird. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm picturing like the, the documentary on the DVD where they're, uh, they're doing the table read and he's just got one of those horse yes. masks yes. on. <laughs> but I feel like his, his outfit is kind of like Han Solo-ish or maybe like Londo-ish. Like what if he has like the cape and everything, you know? Oh. Yes. like that's his look he's the first mate he's like jendy's first mate like they have a ship i didn't go into it but obviously she would have like some kind of cool ship is like that's her smuggling ship and, and he's her, right. her first mate hmm. Hmm. case two is a smuggler yeah now i'm just gonna go you know write more jedi fanfic and masturbate I just does anybody out there really like have I mean like I don't know I've, Wookie I've, Jedi with just a gigantic fucking lightsaber uh, riding a Rancor. I think I made the joke that you eventually found out the Rancor is his apprentice. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you're gonna go fan service, you just you go all the way. You know, go big or go home. Well, like what I like is that is that it's 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 playing. Uh, a very nice, playful nod to all of these these things. I mean, because you can't possibly do a Star Wars movie now that's like oblivious of like the impact Star Wars has had on our culture. You know what I mean? So like you're kind of getting all of those things where you're incorporating those uh, the impact onto the trilogy, but you're you're having fun of it. You know, like you've got the Oliphant, who you could make the argument is like this the ultimate Star Wars. Fan. And turned evil, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and because that's that's what I mean. Look at the force on that message board. These people are all like sinister dweebs, <laughs> you know, like like they're all like, oh God, like they all want like plagiarists to win, and they want to find ways where it's okay for them to have sex with like Ahsoka, and like not like a older Ahsoka, like the fourteen year old Ahsoka. Oh, and yeah, I don't know. I would watch the shit out of this movie. It's real funny, I mean, I, I remember when you when you were when you were thinking about it in those dive bars. My only question for you at one point was just like, do you have like the uh, lightsaber battle at the beginning or the end of the movie? And you're like, there is no lightsaber battle in the first one. And yeah. I was just like, fucking blasphemy! You gotta be ashamed of yourself. And now I'm I'm perfectly okay with it. Yeah. Well, I think I I feel like when I was thinking about this, I kept getting too stuck on trying to think like, what would this big set pieces be? Which yeah. is really not important. Like to me, the if if there's like kernels of this that I'm really pleased with is just the general ideas of the characters and like the setup, you know, you can, yeah. you can write in whatever climax you need for like a good crowd pleasing climax where, you know, they all kind of overcome their character arcs when needed, you know? Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I'm, I'm so, I don't know. I'm just so disappointed with like your, internet-based star wars fan culture well now, now case it's your in turn point, case in point i've had the force on that message board still open while we've been going over this and there's two threads one that you'll i haven't clicked on them but one that you'll enjoy which is well are they going to film episode 7 and 48 fps mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. other is what will they wear the fashion of episode 7 but it's w-h-e-r-e wow what, what will they? They just assume they're all twelve, you know. 
I wish that was the case, but you know it's not. I like the one where they're like, oh, Mark Hamill's Twitter account's been silent lately. What does it mean? Yeah. Yeah. Or will Darth Maul appear in the sequels? Will no, he? no. I can tell you right now, no, Darth Maul will not appear in sequels. Will he? Yeah. Will there be stormtroopers? Matthew Vaughn directing, unofficially confirmed. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's your turn now. Now you got to do one. I don't know, man. You've, uh, you've risen the bar pretty high. I mean, like, the only thing I really had was... I felt like, like, there are things that you've tackled. Like, I think you needed to not introduce Luke, like, early in the movie. I think you needed to save Luke to, like, halfway through. You've done that. And you kind of had to seek him out. I mean, like, I would, my big thing would be, like, hitting a lot of the same notes from New Hope. Um, mm-hmm. well, one of the things I'm most pleased by is just, like, the, the Chekhov's gun of, like, the Sith encasing carbonite. Like, that yeah. was, like, the one thing I read on, like, the message boards that was at all good. And I was, like, I'm immediately stealing that. That's the only good idea on this entire site. You know, and, like, nobody ran with it at all. I was, like, come on. Like, that was the only good idea they had, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's 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 genius, I think. Because, again, it, it really establishes, like, like the Oliphant is a character who's basically been in this universe for a while. Whatever mm-hmm. his power is, I mean, he's, he's done what... I, I, I want to, I'll put it this way. I think you kind of identify with him at the same time that you identify with the good guys, you know, in this movie. Mm-hmm. Because like, like I said, like, this is what you would do, you know, if you were, if you had a ship and you were roaming around the Star Wars universe, you would go and pick up like Boba Fett's helmet. <laughs> you would go and like, you would have a fucking dude encased in carbonite on the wall behind your desk, you know, like, well, I mean, it's, it's either that or it's like, like the secret Palpatine apprentice you never heard about, you know, like, <sighs> yeah, it's like, oh, and, oh, and by the way, like we were talking when the, uh, the Zack Snyder stuff came out, like the way I could make that work with my pitch would just be that Jedi movie, you know, the seven samurai Jedi movie set like thousands of years ago. And mm. in that movie, the Sith apprentice gets put in carbonite, you know? Yeah. There you go. So there you go. There's your tie in. Yeah. And I mean, if you had to, if, if, you know, you were like writing this and you had a producer who was like, absolutely not, this has to be set, you know, concurrently with the new trilogy. Boom. You've got seven Jedi on an adventure and one of them happens to be a Wookiee Jedi. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Giant lightsaber. He rides a rancor. <laughs> I want you people to appreciate that the end of our vacation was just us like walking around places, like sticking our hand out, like we're about to force push something and then going, <laughs> Yeah, we did that a lot. A lot. A lot. Anyway, uh, this concludes our two-part podcast. Um, what should we do from now on? We're reading Scoundrels right now. Maybe we can talk about that next week. Do you think you can finish that by next week? Um, I'm like we'll a talk. fifth of the way in. I don't know. We'll talk about that off air. All right. Well, uh, until next time, may the Force be with you. Always. Always.